your Bible tonight and turn with me to the book of Revelation. Revelation chapter 19. And uh, we're going to do our very best to cover a good portion of the scriptures tonight. There's some very unique and mesmerizing, powerful things that are going on in this chapter. And uh, there's a lot of different ways that you can look at this. And I'm going to give you, hopefully, um, I want to give you the, the clearest and uh, hopefully the best um, to be able to articulate and give you an understanding of what's going on here. Uh, what we really want to focus our attention on is the marriage supper of the Lamb. And as we think about that, we find it here in the 19th chapter. I think uh, just... Uh, by way of introduction, one of the unique things about this chapter is the sequence of events. It's like one thing after another, after another, after another, after another. Jam-packed full of exciting things. And uh, I really like this chapter. And as we come to the end of this book, I mean, here we are. Just a few more chapters and the close is right on us. And so uh, let's pick up in verse number one. We'll read down to about maybe verse 16 and uh, cover just probably 7, 8, 9, and verse 10. The Bible says in verse 1, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven. Now, there's speculation um, of the much people in heaven. Who are these people? No doubt they're redeemed, no doubt they're saved, but in the context of the scripture, it's probably more accurate that there's a distinction that needs to be made that these people that are in heaven, the voice of much people, because of the, the setting, because of what's being said, because of what's being done here, it's probably universally everyone, but at large the ones that were martyrs during this period of time. And so uh, hopefully that will make sense as we kind of get into this. The Bible says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much people in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power unto the Lord our God. For true and righteous are His judgments. For He hath judged the great whore which did corrupt the earth with her fornication and hath avenged the blood of His servants at her hand. And again they said, Alleluia, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. That thought of eternal smoke rising, that's a picture of hell, where the worm dieth not. And so the great whore has been judged. We know it's talking about the Babylonian Empire. Uh, we can understand that in this economy of the seven-year tribulation, all that's been done under the umbrella of one world government, uh, one world religion, uh, the Antichrist, the false prophet. So the smoke of her... Uh, has ascended and will ascend forever and ever. It's a picture of God's eternal judgment. Uh, she has caused much confusion. She has caused much corruption. Uh, she is entitled the great whore, verse 2, which did corrupt the earth, the, the earth in totality. She brought this havoc. And if you think about the Babylonian Empire, this has been around for a very, very, very long time. This is not just seven years. This would go back all the way back to uh, uh, your Old Testament. 
And so here we have this thought of eternal judgment. The Bible says that these people are crying out. They're rejoicing. Uh, look with me in Revelation. Go to chapter 18. Revelation chapter 18. And uh, look down in verse 20. It says, Rejoice over her, thou heaven, and ye holy apostles and prophets, for God hath avenged you on her. My personal view is that in totality, uh, believers are rejoicing in how good God is and what God does in His ability. He is uh, a Savior and He gives salvation. He is worthy of glory because um, He is glorious. Uh, no doubt we should give Him honor. Uh, we should esteem Him because He is due the honor that we are to give Him. But in the context of the Scripture, I really feel that the majority of those, the voices that are speaking are the ones that have been redeemed out of this, pulled out of this. Notice the Bible says back in verse 3, and again they said, Hallelujah, and her smoke rose up forever and ever. And the four and twenty elders and the four beasts fell down and worshipped God that sat on the throne saying, Amen, Hallelujah. And a voice came out of the throne saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. So, he kind of gives a mandate. Small and great, um, every knee shall bow, every tongue shall confess. The rich, the poor, the young, the old, each and every person. Uh, praise our God and his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. Uh, we are to serve the Lord, doesn't matter the age, doesn't matter... Uh, the nationality, verse 6, it says, it says, And I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters. Now he begins to talk a little bit about the volume. And if you've ever been to um, a football stadium of, of large size and proportion, and I went to the big house one time, and probably 112,000 people there, so much yellow. It was amazing. And uh, it, it, too much yellow. And it, church split, church split, church split. <laughs> and, uh, you know, they, they take a 215-pound guy like myself and try to make him fit in this little six-inch six box, you know, and that's going to be comfortable. No, it was horrible. But the unique thing about it is when they started chanting and the voices and the screaming and, and the, the victory cries and all this, you could feel it literally upon your chest. You could feel it your lungs vibrating. You can kind of get a picture, a very vivid picture of what's going on here. It's a, it's a picture of celebration. We're leading up to this marriage supper of the Lamb. We're, we're, we're coming to the climax of uh, human history. This is truly an exciting point. It is uh, one that demands attention. And out of all of this, we hear voices just screaming forth, beckoning forth, praising forth, shouting forth. A voice came out of the throne, even, the Bible says in verse 5, saying, Praise our God, all ye his servants, and ye that fear him, both small and great. And then he begins to talk about this, this uh, multitude of voices. Verse number 6, And I heard, as it were, a voice of great, a great multitude, and as the voice of many waters, and as the voice of mighty thunderings, saying, Hallelujah. You know, there's a, uh, a song here, a repetition. Uh, it's a song of praise. Hallelujah. Uh, to, to praise ye the Lord. 
to praise the Lord with your voice, to lift up these things, gratitude and, and appreciation for what? His salvation. Uh, the Bible says, saying, Hallelujah, for the Lord God omnipotent reigning. This is God, which is, which was, and which is to come. Amen? The same yesterday, today, and forever. At the beginning of this thing, he was God, and at the end of this thing, he's God. And that's so powerful. And, and to be on the winning side, the Bible says in verse 7, And let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. Now think about that. His wife hath made herself, herself ready. She made herself ready. Let me remind you that what you do now is going to affect you then. And praise God for salvation that is a free gift. But as we receive salvation, we want to do our best. We want to serve the Lord to make an eternal difference. I want rewards when I get to heaven. Amen? Anyone that says they don't, they're, they're foolish. You know, it's a way that God would uh, judge. It's a way that God would repay. It's a way that God would... Uh, uh, put your works and my works on display in a sense of uh, giving tribute to the one that that uh, served the Lord in this way. And no doubt these individuals in the seven-year tribulation, they've paid the ultimate price. Their life has been taken from them. And so all of this is kind of leading up to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And um, he says in verse 7, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come, and His wife hath made herself ready. You know, when you think about a marriage, and you think about um, the dinner of that marriage, and the celebration of that marriage, and all that goes into that marriage, it, it stands for so much. It stands for unity, and it stands for purity, and it stands for uh, love and affection, and it stands for... for um, uh, completion and fulfillment. Now, this is what God does in our life. This is what God is able to do in the life of a, a broken man or a broken woman to give healing to our bones and to give uh, direction to our life. Let us be glad and rejoice, the Bible says. I want you to keep your hand here and look with me in Colossians chapter 1 just to kind of remind you of what the Lord's done for us because I know uh, it's easy to forget these things. It's easy to overlook what the Lord has done for us. But he says in Colossians chapter 1, look down in verse number 12. It says, Giving thanks unto the Father, which hath made us meant to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness, and hath translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, and whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sins. Isn't God good? God truly has been far greater, far better, far more loving and kind and gracious and, and, and forgiving to us and, and, and long-suffering than what we deserve. Amen? God is truly a good God. Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to Him for the marriage of the Lamb has come and His wife hath made herself ready and to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen. Now that fine linen, this is in a sense her preparation. You know, I wrote down these two words, fine 
linen. Fine linen. Both words together give us an understanding of her garment, but yet as you look at them separated, they both bring distinction to what the garment represents. Fine meaning exquisite, erotic, expensive. Amen. Delicate, dainty. Something that you wouldn't wear every day just for a special occasion. And yet throughout eternity, may I submit to you that it is for all eternity a special occasion. Because of what Jesus has done in this earth and in this lifetime for us. Amen? Fine, exquisite, exotic, expensive. And it took what? The greatest payment that man could not even pay. And that is the blood of Jesus. God gave His only begotten Son. Amen? For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. And then He uses the word linen. I like the word linen because it implies a sense of softness. To be smooth in texture. Smooth upon the, 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 the body. Comfortable. Uh, it implies a, a, a flexibility in its fibers. Something that is not coarse. You know, as the Old Testament saint of God would take um, um, sackcloth and ashes and those uh, sackcloth burly bags of nothing more than camel goat hairs and the fibers would be coarse upon. Again, a picture of buffeting the flesh. That time is no more. You know, one beautiful thing about eternity is no longer having to fight. The fight is over. He's won the war. We're victorious through Jesus. And so these things are a picture of what God has done in her and through her. I like uh, what the Bible says in verse number 8. It gives us a description of these fine linen. Two words. It says, number one, clean. And number two, white. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. Look over in Psalms chapter 51. Psalms chapter 51. Clean and white. Have you ever been dirty, filthy, nasty? Maybe not so much the physical body I'm talking about, but you look back at a time in your life where there's things that maybe you wouldn't share with anyone because you're too ashamed of, and yet... God, He's forgiven you of those things. Praise the Lord for that. This is what God has done. The psalmist David made it perfect when God gave him these words to pen. He says in verse 1, Have mercy upon me, O God, according to Thy loving kindness, according to Thy multitude uh, of Thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions. Wash me thoroughly from my iniquities and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. Against Thee and Thee only have I sinned and done this evil in Thy sight that thou mayest be justified when thou speakest, and be clear when thou judgest. Behold, I was shapen in iniquity, and in sin did my mother conceive me. Behold, thou desirest truth in the inward parts, and in the hidden parts. Thou shalt make me to know wisdom. Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be, be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. Make me to hear joy and gladness that the bones which thou hast broken may rejoice. Hide thy face from my sins and blot out all mine iniquities. Created me a clean heart, O God, and renew a right spirit within me. Cast 
me not away from thy presence and take not thy Holy Spirit from me. Restore unto me the joy of thy salvation and uphold me with thy free spirit. Then will I teach transgressors thy ways and sinners shall be converted unto thee. Deliver me from blood guiltness, O God. Thou God of my salvation and my tongue shall sing aloud of thy righteousness. O Lord, open thou my lips and my mouth shall show forth thy praise. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would I give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart. O God, thou wilt not despise. Beautiful passage here. And it's truly a reflection of kind of what he's speaking of in the book of Revelation. You know, isn't it God and only God to take the darkest most hidden secrets, most vile and wicked things that man can do and wash them and cleanse them and forgive man of them. I'm grateful. I'm not standing in judgment from you. And you're not standing in judgment from me. When we stand before God, God will look at us and what will He see? He'll see the blood of His Son. Amen? And that's the beauty. That's the beauty. Look over in John chapter 15. John chapter 15. And look with me in verse number 3. John chapter 15 and verse number 3. He says, Now ye are clean through the word which I have spoken unto you. Isn't it wonderful to know that God's word, it has the ability still today after some 2,000 years of the death, the burial, and the resurrection, the power of the gospel is still there. Souls are still being saved. Little boys and girls at vacation Bible school are still coming to know the Lord. I was reminded this past week with Brother Stephen, his son, as we ended vacation Bible school, they got in their van this past summer, and they were going up north through the UP to go to another church. And it was on that, I think, a day and a half journey that... Vacation Bible school started speaking in his heart, that little boy's heart, and he said, Dad, I need to be saved. And he got saved. They went back to their church in Alpharetta, Georgia, and Brother Stephen was able to baptize his son. What a blessing that is. That's the power of the gospel. Look over in Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. Look in verse number 1. It says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn towards the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold, there was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone from the door and sat upon it. His countenance was like lightning, and his raiment, notice this, white as snow. Are we not going to be made in His image? Created in the image of Christ, that new and glorious body. As you look back in this text, he says in verse 8, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. 
wearing your righteousness through the power of God. This is God's doing. Amen? Verse number 9, it says, And He saith unto me, Right blessed are they which are called into the marriage supper of the Lamb. Blessed are they which are called. Isn't it wonderful to be invited? You know, uh, there, there are times in life when... <laughs> I remember when I was a younger man and I was going to college and had more friends that were in that age of life that were getting married. And as a younger man... I didn't have as much money uh, as sometimes I might have now. And uh, I got to a point where, please don't ask me to be in your wedding. Please, I love you, but please, I can't afford to go to New Hampshire and buy a $200 tux. Please, I, I'll, I'll send you a nice $25 uh, you know, uh, uh, toaster. Amen. There you go. But don't, don't invite me. But there's something... Nice about being invited. Something nice about being invited. It says, Blessed are they which are called unto the marriage supper of the Lamb. And He saith unto to me, These are the true sayings of God. And I fell at His feet to worship Him. And He said unto me, See, thou do it not. Again, John is so mesmerized in his flesh. He's caught up in, 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 in such a fleshly awe of seeing all of these things and hearing all of these things from the voice of an angel, a messenger of God that he wants to worship this, this, this messenger. No, 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 no. See thou do it not. For I am thy fellow servant and of thy brethren that have the testimony of Jesus. It, it, there's a good indication that it's not an angel here. It's a good indication that this is actually a, a, a person, uh, one of the redeemed. He says, worship God. Amen. If you don't get anything right in your life, get that one right. you don't get riches under your belt, get worshiping God under your belt. Amen? Worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Whose book is this? It's His book. It's His book. Remember what the Bible says in Revelation chapter 1? Go over there in Revelation. It's not the revelation of St. John the Divine. The very first verse puts that straight. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave unto Him to show unto His servants things which must shortly come to pass. Look with me in the book of Ephesians chapter 5. Now we're talking about the marriage supper of the Lamb, and I, I know um, even in this room there may be some differences of opinion. I'm not going to say that maybe there's not truth on your argument Truth on the other argument. I think some of these things, uh, as a student of God's Word, we want to study to show ourselves approved. And, and uh, I know that I now teach things that maybe I didn't teach five years ago because I'm learning more about the Bible. But when I do kind of look at Scripture, I do feel that this passage could be talking about either the body of Christ as... Um, in the marriage, or it could be in reference to those martyrs as we've already pulled out. And I'll make reference to that in just a few moments as well. He says in Ephesians chapter 5, look down in verse number 21. Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. Wives, submit yourselves to your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church, and, is, and He is the Savior of the body. 
Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be of their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Now, let me stop here and say, what's he talking about? He's talking about two things. He's talking about, first, the relationship between Christ and the church. That is the example to bear witness to what he's trying to convey about husbands and wives. So he's using this illustration that God has a relationship with the church. And then the second is the relationship between husband and wife. Verse 26, that he might sanctify and cleanse it by the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing. Now, those words would at least be equal to what we read thus far, uh, referring to the garment. Keep your hand here. I'll just read it. Verse 8 in Revelation it says, And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white, for the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. Um, now he uses the word saints there. He doesn't use the word church. We know what the, you know there's a couple of definitions for the word church. You know that, right? You, I hope you understand there's a church in the Old Testament. I hope you know that. There's a church in the Old Testament. One definition for the word church is nothing more than a gathering. It's a gathering. So they meet down at town hall. Uh, that's a church in a sense of a gathering. We know the word church means the body of Christ in that New Testament setting. Uh, the body of Christ meaning people that have been saved. Uh, also another definition for the church is ecclesia or uh, a called out assembly of believers. You find this, the church which is at Rome, the church of Macedonia, the local church. So here, here he uses the word church. In Revelation he uses the word saint. But it is possibility, verse 27, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that should be holy and without blemish. So he's kind of giving us a picture of what the church is, what the church is through Christ. Then he goes on down, he says, verse 28, So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself, for no man ever yet hated his own flesh, but nourisheth and cherisheth it, even as the Lord the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bones. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. He uses again the relationship between Christ and the church. Picture of one flesh, one, one body as an illustration of husbands and wife. One flesh. They shall be joined unto his wife and they shall be one flesh. Verse 32, here's the key. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the woman and the church. So uh, is it a possibility? And I think traditionally most people would hold that this is the church here, the marriage of the Lamb. Yes. Look with me back in our text. Is it possible that this is only the saints that were martyred and the, and the lives that were taken from them during this great holocaust, uh, this genocide of Christian faith and believers. Absolutely. Again, look in verse number 1. It says, And after these things I heard a great voice of much 
people in heaven. What are they rejoicing over? They're rejoicing over the specifics of what is happening. Babylon is fallen. Uh, they have martyred us. And you, you see this you see this spirit, this cry uh, continually throughout uh, the book of Revelation. Look in Revelation chapter 5. With, you see this cry connected to the martyrs, uh, connected to these people uh, in the tribulation. Revelation chapter 5, look down in verse number... Uh, well, we can read, we can begin reading, and uh, you can read in verse 8. It says, When he had taken the book, the four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. And they sung a new song, saying, Thou art worthy to take the book and open the seal thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation has made us. Under our God, God, kings and priests, and we shall reign on the earth. Uh, he goes on down verse 11 and verse 12, and you, you hear this song. Uh, look in verse 12. It says, saying with a loud voice, worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and strength and honor and glory and blessing. You, you, you hear that same musical note, the song that they sang there, and other portions of Revelation that are no doubt referring to tribulational saints. You hear that same Musical note, uh, this, this, this song in chapter 19. The voice of much people saying, Alleluia, salvation, glory, and honor, and power. We're in chapter 19 now. Um, they're singing praises to Him. They're worshiping God. They're saying that He's omnipotent. Uh, they're worshiping God by saying, Amen. They're, they're praising God. And there's a messenger in verse 5 again saying that everyone should praise God, praise our God, all ye servants, and ye that fear Him both so small, both, uh, both great and small. So I just wanted to bring both thoughts to your attention. Uh, look with me in Revelation chapter 21. I'll give you a few more verses and then we'll kind of close here. Revelation chapter 21. Look down in verse number... And there came unto me one of the seven angels which had the seven vials full of the seven last plagues and talked with me saying, Come hither and I will show thee the bride, the lamb's wife. The lamb's wife. So again, all of this is leading up. The Babylonian Empire has come to an end. People are mourning her death. There's one great sorrow and yet uh, another most definite great victorious cry. A celebration. Uh, a celebration of righteousness. The clothing represented. You know, in a marriage today, man, it's really sad. People, they've been living in sin and all kinds of mess. And I know sometimes it's traditional, but it was from a good traditional point of the Bible. Amen? Why ladies wore white dresses on their wedding day. And now it doesn't mean anything. It's, it's really disheartening. It's really sad. Um, but you see where it comes from. 
the, the, the purity of what God has done in the hearts of these people. And uh, praise the Lord for it. Let me give you one more verse. Look in Revelation chapter 7. Revelation chapter 7. And look down in verse 9 and verse 10. And cried with a loud voice, saying, Salvation to our God, which sitteth upon the throne, and unto the Lamb. And all the angels stood round about the throne, and about the elders, and the four beasts, and fell before the throne on their faces, and worshipped God. Again, another uh, true note of that, that Christian praise, that musical note of, of, of glory to God. Look in verse 13. He, he speaks of it in verse 13 verse 14. And one of the elders answered and said unto me, What are these which are arrayed in white robes? And whence came they? And I said unto him, Sir, thou knowest. And he said unto me, These are they which came out of the great tribulation and have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So, kind of ending with that verse, you look at Ephesians, uh, the bride of Christ, the church. You look in the context of Revelation chapter 19 as well as other passages in Revelation, and it is a good thought that these are um, martyrs. These are those that went through that. They endured to the end, or they their lives were taken from them. Either way, uh, just on a great note of celebration, man, you can't have a better celebration than this. Amen? And then looking at verse 11. And I saw heaven open. Looking to the eastern sky like we heard this morning in that song by the Gleasons, right? And I saw heaven open and behold a white horse. He that sat upon him was called faithful and true and in righteousness. Doth he judge and make war? Man. And his eyes are as the flame of fire. You know, all of these points that makes reference to him, they're speaking about different aspects attributes he possesses, who he is as God, a name written that no man knew but he himself. There's some answer or there's some questions in the Bible that we don't have the answers to. That's one of them right there. What's that name? I don't know. I didn't have to go to Bible college to figure that one out. All I had to do was read my Bible. I was talking to Brother Steve and this is kind of a funny note. We'll close with this. Uh, just talking about reading my Bible and stuff. And we were we were uh, we were talking about these, you know. He said he said to me, he said, you know what gets me? We were kind of venting a little bit, and he said, you know what gets me upset? And I said, what's that? He said, these these preachers that get these honorary doctorates degree, and they want to be called doctor so and so. And I said, well, you know, it doesn't make any sense. They're getting a degree for doing what the Bible told them to do in the first place. Are you not supposed to study it? You know. Anyways. Yes, sir.